Independent retail business can mean so many things these days. A brick and mortar store, an e-commerce business, a maker's online shop, a booth at an antique mall, and more. No matter which category you're in, Kathy Cruz, a fellow retail business owner and retail educator, will teach you how to market and manage your business efficiently so you can spend time doing other things you love. Welcome to the Savvy Shopkeeper Podcast. Welcome to episode 65 of the Savvy Shopkeeper Retail Podcast. Stop believing these 12 independent retail business myths. I'm your host, Kathy Cruz. My intention for this two-part episode, today is part one, is to debunk retail and small business owner myths. First, of course, I want to start off with a shopkeeper shout out. And today's shout out is for Christy. She's the owner of Red Ground Cloquet. Hopefully I said that right. (laughs) We'll link her Facebook page in the show notes. So where do I begin with Christy? This isn't about a podcast review that Christy left for me. This is about a founding member of Master Shopkeepers who's supportive. She's one of Savvy Shopkeepers' biggest cheerleaders, and she is incredible at retaining information she's learned from both being in the group and immersing herself in education. Christy has a goal of opening a brick and mortar one day, and I commend her for starting her education early and for joining Master Shopkeepers as early as she did. I only wish I knew what Christy knows now when my sister and I first started almost nine years ago. Not only is Christy smart, but she's kind, she's compassionate, and she's really helpful in the groups, in both groups. When I asked in the group for some retail myths right before I recorded this episode, or I guess I asked about a week ago, I asked for group members to share any myth that they've either learned from me or that they learned through their own experience or other sources. And Christy, of course, really showed up as always. She listed at least like six or eight myths. Her brain is incredible. And I know if my old brain forgets something, she's there to help. Christy, I want you to know I'm grateful for you and I'm sending you lots of good vibes and hope you find the ideal space to open your business in 2021 or whenever the timing is right for you and your adorable family. Of course, again, I'll I'll just mention that we'll have Christy's Facebook page linked in the show notes. I just thought it was really important to give her a shout out. Okay, so let's get started on this episode. I have a total of 12 myths that I want to debunk, but today I'm going to cover six. I genuinely feel like each of these can be a standalone episode, and maybe I'll record those in the future, but I do want to get started. It's important to stress that these myths, or whatever I say about the myths, isn't about judging you or your business. This is just to show what's possible if you don't believe these, believe these myths. Uh, I just want to show that there isn't only one way. And I hope you'll kind of see that as I go along in these two episodes. So I had a recent conversation with a client who felt that she had to run the social media for her business the way she was being taught in other courses or the way she hears everyone teaching or talking about it. She realized during our call that not only can she create a system for marketing that makes her feel good, but that she was actually putting too much focus on this area of marketing for her business when actually many of her customers don't even come from social media posts. So that's one 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 example I can give like when you feel pressure to do something the way everyone else is doing it or the way it's constantly taught there are other possibilities there are other things to consider and I want you to open up to that. So myth number 1 
show a loss your first three years in business. I am starting off with my biggest pet peeve of them all. I feel like this is something I heard even back in the 90s. And yes, I'm dating myself, aging myself. I feel like it's something I heard back in the 90s when I was even getting a business degree. And I can't confirm where I first heard it or if that's where I heard it. But I think we've all probably heard it. And I'm curious to see if if any of you have heard differently. But I remember hearing it for years and I never understood the logic. Like there was something in my brain that was like, what? No, like if I go into business, I don't want to show a loss. And I somewhat understand the logic about saving on taxes, I guess. I don't know. In the end, I just don't agree with it. (laughs) And I'm so glad I resisted the trend of following what I think is awful advice. And 2020 was a prime example of why we shouldn't focus on showing a loss at least for small independent retailers like us. I can't speak to other industries and I can't speak to other businesses, but I genuinely feel for small independent retailers like us, it just disempowers us from being smart and savvy business owners. Not showing a profit on 2019 P&Ls, that kept many, and I mean many, independent retail store owners from getting the federal assistance or grants they needed. Now, some small retailers and other small business owners think it's because they were a one-person show, and that's not it. It's be- it, They think it's because they didn't have employees, but that isn't the case. For example, many sole proprietors qualified for the PPP. It was because they showed a profit, which meant that they were paying themselves, and this, them paying themselves, is what allowed them to qualify for paycheck protection. When we talk about paycheck protection, that's protecting our pay too, not just our employees. And I understand that the pandemic was a unique situation, but it was one of those times that just kind of confirmed why I'm a firm believer in not showing a loss in my business. And I could go on and on about this subject. It's a conversation I recently had with my own CPA and he agreed to, but I have to move on. All right. Myth number two is Retail is a passion and not profitable. In my mind, it's both and it's doable. I am passionate, I think you all know that, and profitable. Now, is profit everything? No, of course not. The joy of running our businesses, the contributions we make to our communities, the passion to make and create, because I have that too, I'm a maker. All of those things certainly matter. They matter to me, but I want to stress that I have plenty of examples from master shopkeepers members to one-on-one clients who prove that running a retail business not only fulfills a dream and passion, but it also contributes to our households. And in some cases, some of the shopkeepers are the breadwinners. Yes, the breadwinners. So shout out to those shopkeepers who are the breadwinners in your households from running a retail business. Just again, wanna show that retail can be a passion and it can be profitable, both. This episode is brought to you by Tundra. Tundra is an online marketplace for retailers in the US and Canada. What I really like about Tundra is that they eliminate transaction fees and markups. And as a result, Tundra empowers their community of buyers and suppliers to keep reinvesting in themselves. 
As a shop small advocate and a buyer for my own retail store, I appreciate that the makers aren't taking a hit on their profit margin when I order from them on Tundra. From home decor to beauty and fashion, there are hundreds and at this point probably even thousands of suppliers to buy from. If you're a brick and mortar store owner and you open a new account, you'll get 15% off everything on the site for your first 30 days. And that's up to $300 in savings per brand. If you're a maker and you want to sell on Tundra, you'll want to go ahead and use the same link too. But to get this offer, visit SavvyShopkeeper.com forward slash Tundra. SavvyShopkeeper.com forward slash Tundra for the special link. All right, myth number three, overworking is the norm. You know, there's this, I think, thinking that small business owners have to work 60 to 80 hours a week to profit or be successful. And when I use the word successful, I know that's relative. For every single one of us, success is going to look different. And I hope Carrie doesn't mind, but she's the owner of Rose City Boutique in Ohio. And she recently said during that conversation in Master Shopkeeper, she said, I think the entire work less and profit more tagline debunks the small business hustle that we tend to wear as a badge of honor and opens our minds up to the fact that we can actually run a profitable, and then she put in all capital letters, efficient business that we're proud of instead of aiming to work ourselves to death. Amen, Carrie. I can't agree more. So how am I personally debunking this one? It's, I mean, I've worked at it for the past four years. I'm, exa- I'm an example of what's possible. And according to 40% of you who completed the survey so far, you're proof too, because I think it was like 35 to 40% who said they don't feel like they're overworking in their business. So um, again, shout out to all of you for doing that. All right, myth number four, and this is actually one that Christy added that's along the same lines uh, as number three, working more equals being more productive. Many small business owners think this, and I want to break this myth so badly, which is why part of my tagline is work less. And I want to break it so badly because most likely those shopkeepers just haven't learned how to really be productive in shorter periods of time. And I recently had a conversation with a one-on-one client about how addictive our phones have been. And I can't remember what episode I did about breaking those habits with our phones. But it's so easy these days with technology to get distracted from those tasks that we're supposed to focus on and get done. And this is something I recently addressed in my Work Less Masterclass and Master Shopkeepers and something I just started to cover in episode 64. So if you didn't listen to the episode before this, we'll link that in the show notes. And we'll also link the episode where I shared some tips about getting unaddicted from your phone. Okay, myth number five is open to buy is the only way to manage a buying budget. I find that most micro-independent retail store owners don't know what open to buy is and or I should say that they have a hard time understanding it. And I know of some retailers who hired this out, who hire out like the buying budget to management companies. And if that works for you and you can afford that expense, that's great. Like I am not judging anyone who uses or outsources their OTB. Oh, open to buy, I should say. However, 
I've learned that having a strong understanding of my financials along with using Profit First, which I haven't done a podcast episode on, but I will, is actually a really like unique way of managing my own buying budget. And I feel like, especially over the past two years, I won't say I've perfected it, but I am pretty darn happy with it. I am really confident every month that not only do I have enough inventory coming in, but that I have enough in my accounts to pay for the inventory. So I just want to prove, or I guess debunk, that OTB is the only way to manage a buying budget. I don't have to outsource this, and I'm a better business owner because of it, because I understand my financials, and because I have a really good cash flow system. Yes, maybe down the road as our business grows, I'll hand this off, like I recently handed off bookkeeping, but I'm glad I learned these parts of my business first before someone else manages it for me. And then myth number six, the customer is always right. Sorry, actually I wanna say sorry, not sorry. I'm not adopting this old school thought either. I uh, should add that I love our customers and I certainly do admit when I'm wrong. And trust me, I've been wrong in the past. You ever have those situations in business, like whether you ship something or do something or like a good example is I shipped something one time and I did not ship a priority and it wasn't insured because I was taking shortcuts. This was really early on in my business. I was taking shortcuts and I was trying to save money. And in the end, it all burned me in this situation with this customer. And of course, I did apologize. And of course, I learned my lesson. So if anyone ever does come to me that questions why we only ship priority, for me, it's really important that it gets to them, you know, faster than standard post mail. And it's really important that it's insured to protect them and to protect me. So in that situation, I feel like I admitted I was wrong. I learned from the lesson. But the thought that the customer is always right isn't so. It really isn't so. And I think it's important to stress that I do bend the policies in my own store to make customers happy, but I will not always give in to customers who empower themselves with this school of thought and who empower themselves to maybe not make like good ethical or moral decisions when it comes to small businesses and how they approach us, or maybe how sometimes that occasional customer will try to take advantage of us. I don't want to embrace that the customer is always right. And I love what Danny of Cotton Shed, I've mentioned her in a podcast episode before, so we're going to link her again in the show notes. But I love what Danny said in Master Shopkeeper. She said, the customer is always right is just a big fat lie. The customer is human and deserves to be treated with respect. But like all humans, sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. So I can't agree more. And I really appreciated that she put that in there. But again, I think the whole concept of the customer is always right, is very old school thinking. And I I just want to empower the business owners a little bit more. This episode is brought to you by Gusto. Gusto is a payroll software system for small businesses that makes it easy to add new hires, calculate and withhold taxes, process payroll for employees and contractors, and stay compliant. Even better, Gusto is affordable for small retail business owners. 
If you're looking to hire and you're overwhelmed by what to withdraw, how to calculate it, what paperwork you need to file, Gusto makes it really easy to manage payroll. The system does it all for you. If you want more like time tracking, workers' compensation benefits, or other benefits for employees, Gusto offers those services too. We all learned in 2020 the value of payroll employees versus subcontractor employees, particularly when we applied for federal assistance programs or local and national grants. If you know it's time to build a team of payroll employees or you're frustrated with your current payroll provider and you want to try Gusto for one month free, visit SavvyShopkeeper.com forward slash Gusto for a special link. That's SavvyShopkeeper.com forward slash Gusto, G-U-S-T-O. So to summarize, myth number one, show a loss your first three years in business. Myth number two, retail is a passion and not profitable. Myth number three, overworking is the norm. Myth number four, working more equals being more productive. Myth number three, open to buy is the only way to manage a buying budget. Myth number six, the customer is always right. So next week, I'll be wrapping up this two-part episode with six more myths. And in the meantime, if you think of any others, please DM me on Instagram. I'd love to know your thoughts on this. And my Instagram username is at Savvy Shopkeeper, S-A-V-V-Y Shopkeeper, at Savvy Shopkeeper. I would love a follow too. I mean, it's my favorite place to be is on Instagram. Okay, so before I wrap this up, I want to say thank you to every single shopkeeper who took the time to complete the 2021 survey. I just have to say like, holy smokes. It's been fantastic reading all of the survey, especially the feedback areas. You all reminded me not to take this podcast and the power of these 20-minute episodes for granted. Really, like, I just can't stress that enough. I, I think I've underestimated the impact of the episodes, and I can't even begin to tell you how grateful I am for the feedback and some of the things you said in the survey. I was really taken aback. And I want to share a few pieces of feedback that I did receive, and I'll share a lot more about the survey and the results in a future episode, because I think the results are actually really enlightening. And I know the one thing that I hear often is it's that, that shopkeepers say, at least in our lab and master shopkeepers communities, the one thing they say often is it's nice to know that I'm not alone. It's nice to know that others feel the same way. It's nice to know that we're all kind of in the same boat or what others are experiencing, what others are making in terms of revenue, where others are struggling. So I think the, the you know, for me to summarize the survey results in a podcast episode is going to be also enlightening to you. So a few pieces of the feedback that I received that I think are some of the most impactful I want to share with you now. And the first one said, Whether highly successful or struggling small town business, you never devalued any size business. And this was the the person who left this uh, feedback was referring to how I don't devalue any size business. And I don't. It doesn't matter to me whether you make $30,000 in revenue or even $20,000 in revenue in an online shop or whether you make half a million dollars in revenue in a brick and mortar store. For me, we all can use help. We can all use some guidance. And I know where I started from with my sister. 
you know, when we were working out of our homes and selling online and started doing market events, you know, that's where we started too. And I never want to devalue anyone's business. It doesn't matter what size it is. So that one was really special to me. The next one, the the survey respondent said, Savvy Shopkeeper has been an absolute goldmine of information for me. And this one I really appreciated because this is someone who is new in business. She's a maker and I can tell she is just taking it all in. It's been incredible to watch. She's just soaking it all in. She's engaging in the lab group. She's taking in the content. She's watching the video lessons. And that speaks volumes about the direction of her business. I genuinely feel she's going to be successful. The next one um, said, I've become so much more focused on what I need to do to continue to grow our business. That is really important to me because that's what I want to do. That's why I created the Academy was so that we could just focus on what we need to learn and grow. And we can focus on content that's relevant to retailers and not every other type of business because we are unique. Another person said, I've actually quit being in other groups so I could be in this one more as it will help me as a business profit more. This was really special to me. I appreciate it. I have heard other group members say this, that they've just like cut everything else out just so they can focus on the content either in the lab or in Master Shopkeepers. And it means the world to me. And hopefully it means lots of success for them in the future of their business. Okay, I have a few more. Someone said, I joined Master Shopkeepers and whoa, (laughs) she put in all capital letters. I entered a whole new dimension of learning and sharing. Almost 30 years, she said, almost 30 years of having my business and my eyes were opened. And my response to that was, whoa. (laughs) She said, whoa to me and I'm saying, whoa to her. Incredible. All right, two more. The next one, uh, she said, honestly, I didn't pay myself for close to 15 years. And she put in parentheses, crazy, right? After listening to one of your podcast episodes, I started paying myself. This one felt amazing. Good for you. And of course, I'm not sharing anyone's names, at least on on these pieces of feedback, because I I respect your privacy and I appreciate the feedback and I wouldn't do anything like that without permission. But I hope you listen to this episode. And this one really blew me away incredible. And I think she even said that after um, she pays taxes this year, she's going to give herself a raise. I'm like over here with my hands up in the air celebrating. All right. And the last one, the person said, I have listened to every one of your podcasts and have shared with many other small businesses. When you released the short ones while we were shut down, I can't tell you how much they saved me. I would come to my closed, dark shop and assemble face shields while listening to every episode. It helped to make me feel not so alone in all of the unknown. You helped push me into the uncomfortable world of live sales, which in itself saved my business. I mean, seriously, I don't even have to say anything after that. Again, I can't tell you how much I appreciate all of your feedback suggestions, and just knowing what to do moving forward to help all of you more. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to see the show notes to this episode or find links to anything I mentioned, you can visit my blog at SavvyShopkeeper.com forward slash episode 65, SavvyShopkeeper.com forward slash episode 65. 
Until the next episode, be savvy and boss up. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.